Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I'm excited to talk to class of 2009's Edgar Barrera, wildlife photographer and owner of Altered Stag Productions. Edgar will share with us how the spark of visual media from Mr. Jennings' broadcast class began a passion with Edgar to merge his love of photography and nature. Be sure to check out show notes to see Edgar's work or search Altered Stag Productions on Vimeo and Instagram. Joining us today is Edgar Barrera from the class of 2009. Edgar, what do you do? I do uh, video and photography, uh, more specifically uh, wildlife photography. So, Edgar, tell me about the first time you had a camera in your hand. How did you fall in love with this? Well, it was in high school, maybe sometime around 2007, something like that, for, you know, making uh, segments for We Go Through the Tube. And I wasn't necessarily in love with it right away. It was kind of intimidating, Um, you know, watching segments every week or monthly or however often it was then. Um, It was kind of intimidating to be in a position where you know you're recording something or you're creating something and you know the whole school's gonna see it so it took a while for me to you know fall in love with it so to speak what what do you think made you more uh confident once you were able to kind of get that maybe a thicker skin as an artist and all that do you remember what your breakthrough was you know, I'm not really sure on a specific segment. Uh, one comes to mind. I know I did make like a uh, like a Fight Club like spoof uh, during high school, and it was like book club. So I remember making that, and after that, just kind of like you know, uh, finding my confidence in making segments. Uh, and I think a big part of that was you know also finding like a group of friends that were you know, down to make something, you know, a little funny or, you know, being clowns uh, with each other in front of the camera. So I think it was a combination of finding something that I'd be, you know, passionate about making with, you know, the right group of people. Now, once you graduated from WeGo, how did you know that this was the career field that you wanted to, uh, to, to, to start? Uh, well, I don't, I, I want to say I had a very naive outlook on it. Um, I did go to College of DuPage afterwards and enrolled in their film program. And I think, you know, I had a very good idea of like, you know, I want to do this for a living. I didn't necessarily know that I was going to, you know, end up where I am now. And I think the goal then was to like make movies. Um, But uh, during, you know, College of DuPage, I kind of realized that it was going to be difficult 
to make a career out of this and even more so like make money. So there was a period of time where I got this a little discouraged about it. Um, so I feel like it wasn't always, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this because after, after graduating college of DuPage, I, I went to the Paul and I enrolled in their uh, film program as well. Uh, but at the same time, I had a backup plan. Like I went in for a double major and I uh, got a degree in environmental science as well. Cause I, I pictured myself, um, uh, working, you know, for an environmental cause at some point. I, at that point when I was finishing up school, I think film became more of like a side hobby that I didn't know if I was going to pursue anymore. And then environmental science became something that you know, I was kind of like passionate about that I'd be willing to like, you know, break my back for, you know, so to speak. Um, so that's kind of where I left off after school and things kind of kept changing from then. How were you able to merge the, the, your passion for in my environmental uh, issues and photography? It seems like those two perfectly merged uh, together. Uh, well, it took a while. Um, so after, after I graduated, uh, DePaul, I didn't jump into either. Uh, I was very tired, kind of burnt out. I, you know, working, I was working full time at, you know, the bars and going to school. So when I graduated DePaul, I think it was in 2017, uh, I just started traveling, you know, I felt very burnt out and I felt like ever since I got out of high school, I wasn't really doing uh a lot that i i liked you know it was like schoolwork and you know work and yada yada for the past you know however many years so i started traveling because that was something you know that i just wanted to do and something that would give me you know fulfillment um and after traveling for a few years uh i kind of found my passion for uh photography again um and you know it was it was simple. It was just as simple as, you know, going to a national park and just start shooting. Um, so I think I found my spark again, 2019. Uh, I went to uh, Mount Rainier National Park. It was like the first national park I visited. Um, and I didn't really go out there with big expectations or anything. You know, I just took my camera and it was just kind of me figuring out if, you know, I like doing this anymore. So Mount Rainier began the spark uh, to kind of get you back into all of this. So let's talk about that. So after you had a successful trip at Mount Rainier, how did you how did you begin to kind of get the momentum and, and kind of get the traction to continue on with this? Uh, well, I just started, you know, working a little more and just saving for trips. And that's like the big part of, you know, doing this is is getting to these places. Um, so after visiting my first national park, it just kind of like sparked, you know, this fire that I just relentlessly went to these things. So even while I was at Mount Rainier, we went, we, uh, we went to Crater, uh, Crater Lake in Oregon. Um, and after that trip, we, what else? I, I say we here because I started uh, traveling with uh, my girlfriend. And she, she kind of does uh, the photography thing as a hobby as well. Um, so after that, uh, 
we went to Colombia. We went to like a international national park. And it was just kind of like getting this joy out of traveling and out of being outdoors in nature and the photography. Uh, you know, those it, those three combined just kind of put things in motion. What do you think you've learned from your first trip to Mount Rainier to your last trip as a photographer? Like, what? How do you think you you've developed a sharper eye for maybe anticipating patterns? And it, what are some of those things that you're like, wow, I'm I'm actually I, I can see things so much more clearly as a photographer. Well, when you're in these contexts, uh, well, I think I think the the real game changer for me was uh, going to Yellowstone. I went to Yellowstone maybe for the first time two years ago. And that was my first, like, intentional expedition to go and, like, capture wildlife and nature. Before, it was like, all right, I'm going to visit these national parks and just kind of, you know, get a feel for them, which was a good thing to do because I, I didn't realize how big they are and, you know, what, what necessary tools you might need aside from the camera gear, you know. If it rains one day or, you know, if you have to camp or, you know, in the park overnight or something like that. So there was a big learning curve and just learning what to bring to the parks aside from, you know, the camera and like all that nonsense. So after Yellowstone, uh, I went for about a week, maybe, maybe a little more. Um, and that was kind of my first initiation. All right, let's, let's try to do this. Let's try to figure it out. Um, and yeah, I guess what I came, what I came to learn is, uh, you're just carrying really heavy equipment, hoping to capture certain moments. So you kind of have to learn how to anticipate things that you're not used to. It's, it's weird to say, how, I don't know, how do you prepare for, you know, the, the unknown, you know, you don't really know if you're going to find wildlife. And if you do, you know, will it be too late? Will, will, you know, will they be too far for you to capture? Or, you know, is it a dangerous situation? All these things just kind of came, you know, they were just sprinkled throughout the trip. I mean, that's a really important point because it's not as if these things just happen by themselves. You have to, the, there's a logistical part of this where you have to have your tent you have to have enough energy for your batteries food and, and all of those other uh components of that before you even have the opportunity to be mindful enough to actually take uh the photos uh as well so what are the, what are the things that you, when you're lining up a, a particular photo you know do you how do you know how to find where the animals are you had mentioned that you know there's a safety issue as well because you know goodness if you came across a, a type of uh, predator that wasn't ready for your presence uh that could be that could turn uh, tricky very quickly uh, i was wondering you know how did how did you learn to maybe even be able to read the land to find the shots that you get um, I guess maybe that the, some of the knowledge comes from, you know, kind of being a nerd about this kind of stuff. You know, I, aside from just enjoy, like me enjoying and doing this, um, I watched uh, a good amount of like nature documentaries since I can remember, you know, like Nat Geo stuff, any of the BBC Earth, and just being, you know, knowledgeable on what you're shooting is a big help. Uh, so, you know, I'm going, I went to Yellowstone 
during the rutting season, which is like the mating season for a lot of animals. Um, so, you know, there's a good amount of reading I did before even going, you know, since rutting season, you know, gives you the bigger chances to run into wildlife. Um, that's when I decided to go, but it's also some of the more dangerous times to visit the park. Uh, so, you know, just having knowledge about where you're going and what you're doing is a big step. So naturally for me, I mean, that knowledge was already kind of like in my head, you know, from nerding out on just nature stuff and, you know, things like that. So uh, specifically, you know, I just had to do some research on, you know, what animals are considered safe or what distances and during what times of the year. Um, so is there a particular type of landscape that you prefer over others? I mean, you've, you've been to Columbia, you've been to Mount Rainier, Yellowstone, and some other uh, spots. Uh, has, has there been one that uh, you want to return back to? Yeah, so actually when I recently graduated, I, I went to Australia. And, you know, I went with the intention of, you know, shooting stuff, capturing and all that. And uh, ran into some technical difficulties. I came back and the uh, the memory card was just corrupt. So I oh. I lost everything. No. Uh, yeah, it was upsetting. Because oh. uh, you know, it's a I, horror story. Yeah. Oh, my so, and I had you know I had gone to New Zealand as well. I was gone for a month, so I went to like New Zealand, and then I went to Australia, then back to New Zealand before you know coming back to the U.S. And yeah, you know, I lost, I lost the card. I was able to recover some, some pictures, but, uh, none of the video was, you know, recoverable. So, you know, uh, as, as far as landscapes that I favor, I do prefer the, the mountains, uh, you know, mountainscape, uh, you know, like Colorado and Rocky mountain national park. But if I had to go anywhere again, it would, it would be, you know, Australia, uh, just because uh, I lost all the footage from my initial trip. So I'd like to have another go at it. Edgar, you've seen so many places in your travels. I was wondering if you have a preferred landscape that really brings out your muse as a photographer. Uh, which one of those landscapes is the one that you uh, prefer the most? Uh, I'd probably have to say I prefer the mountain landscape. Uh, like, uh, I go to Colorado a lot. So uh, Colorado has Rocky Mountain National Park, which is the park I've probably been to the most. Um, but yeah, um, can't really tell you why it's my preference. Maybe because it's more scenic, you know, and I'm just used to flatland Illinois. Uh, but yeah, definitely the mountainscape. So you're not always able to travel to these places but you still have to kind of keep your eye sharp as an artist, as a photographer. Uh, I was wondering, what are the things that you do locally that kind of helps you stay sharp? Awesome. Yeah, so this is something I struggled with uh, for a little bit. I would get into, like, uh, I don't know, a, a funk, uh, so to say, where I feel like I need a creative outlet, but, you know, national parks are 12 hours away. So I started doing local stuff. Uh, so one of the first things I did was, uh, go to the Des Plaines river and there's actually several parks along the river and I would just, you know, practice shooting like 
geese, duck, any local birds that were around there. Uh, another one I did recently, which is a really good experience, was uh, photographing eagles by the uh, Fox River in Elgin. And that actually ended up being one of the more challenging exercises I've had. I'd never photographed eagles before. And uh, it was a good little training exercise for me. You know, that was just, you know, a couple minutes away from where I live. Now, when, you know, th- as you develop your your style as, as a photographer, how, how did you, I was wondering if you could maybe talk about what then becomes your style as a photographer? What is it that you are kind of settling on? And then obviously artists are always evolving and photography is within that. How do you uh, experiment as a photographer and how did you maybe arrive at the type of maybe uh, maybe color shading and scale that you typically use in, in, in your work? So one of the first things I, I noticed about my work was that it, it was kind of patchy and um, and by patchy, I mean like all, all, all the pictures kind of look different or you know, I could go as far as saying that all the pictures look like they were taken by a different person. Um, so I didn't have like, a unified look or style to my images. And that's something I really wanted to create um, just because, you know, Photography is one thing, uh, but then, you know, adding your own style or voice behind the images is another, and that's what really makes you stand out. So I started experimenting with color grading uh, and just kind of trying to achieve a certain mood. Um, I like my photography to be like moody, so to speak. Um, I'm kind of a broody guy, so I try to make that you know, come across in my images and in uh, my video. How do you kind of find the balance of when you're reflecting on your photos, which is how do you know, am I being too hard on myself when I, I'm, I'm creating this uh, vision for my style? Uh, but on, on the other hand, which is like, how do you then really take in valid critiques of how to improve your work because there has to be an ongoing process as a as an artist is to kind of always challenge yourself and all that what's the balance uh, between those two things oh I, I don't know that there is a balance i mean it is hard i am very critical of my own stuff so you know i'll make a video or take an image and you know i'll be like mean to myself about it like oh that, that came out kind of crappy or you know, that, that wasn't so good. So, um, I I don't know. I do practice, uh, setting limitations on myself. Um, one way I do this is, uh, with my video segments, I limit myself to one minute, uh, per video. And that just kind of allows me to get creative in other ways, you know, as far as pacing and fitting all the shots that I want within the one minute. Um, those kind of things just kind of kickstart creativity and you know help improve uh your work overall just because you're challenging yourself in a certain way there's one of my favorite quotes from the director orson wells where he said 
the absence of limitations is the enemy of art, or maybe I have it flipped around uh, the other way. I was wondering how that quote maybe helps maybe guide your uh, ability to reflect uh, on those limitations. Does that seem consistent? Yeah, it seems pretty consistent, you know, and it's very true of, you know, even big time directors. Uh, Like, let me think of an example, like George Lucas, you know, when he was making the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, he ran into a lot of like technical difficulties, uh, problems with, you know, effects and whatever. And it kind of forced him to be creative. And then, you know, later when he made the prequels, he had no limitations and he was he had a lot of money for them. And I feel like the movies kind of suffered in part. So it can be it can be very true of, you know, even someone on a small scale like me, you know, like for a while, my limitations uh, were technological. You know, I didn't have a fancy new camera or a new, you know, laptop to keep up with the editing effects that I wanted to achieve. So it kind of forces you to think outside the box and push your creativity limits in other ways. One kind of aspect of photography is that it's not something that you just take a camera and start snap snapping away and and hope for the best. You really have to kind of cultivate a, the artistic eye, but also have to be very mindful of the math and the science and the lighting and all of that. I I know I had mentioned this before about kind of striking that balance, but like, how do you, how, how does the, the, the math and the scientists kind of blend with the artist when you bring that to uh, your photography and your craft? Uh, yeah, th- this one's a tricky one because, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with very technical stuff, you know, like all the specs on a camera and, you know, knowing what settings to shoot in um, while assessing the situation and the environment at the same time. So there is a lot of practice involved and also, you know, a little bit of improvising. You know, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen with, let's say, the wildlife I'm uh, capturing. They could be moving one way or disappear the next second while at the same time, you know, the lighting could change, you know, it could go from cloudy to sunny. So just practicing and, uh, you know, being consistent with those kind of things. You've traveled to so many cool places. You've gone to Colombia, Australia. You've gone to uh, all these beautiful uh, national parks um, in, in the United States, you've seen things that, you know, some people just couldn't even dream of. Was there a time where you had this kind of transcendent experience where like, I can't believe I'm here to capture this with my camera. And, and, and you had a moment where it all really just, uh, was just, a beyond words. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, uh, it happens quite often in different ways, but, uh, as far as like a, photography wise or uh you know just capturing a moment i'd say it was a time i was in yellowstone um and we had seen a moose in the distance and you know i I think it was my first time seeing a moose so i was very excited moose was in the distance but you know the terrain wasn't really letting us get to where the moose was to capture it you know from a safe distance and from like a safe environment so We tried tracking it down and, you know, anticipate its next movements. So we drove up the road 
pulled over for a little bit and, you know, kind of made our way down uh, to a creek, hoping that the moose would uh, come out eventually. And yeah, eventually it did. And, you know, moose was very big and uh, it kind of surprised us, you know, Uh, we we got down to the river and we just kind of started, you know, gazing at other things and just kind of, you know, taking in the environment. Uh, But then the moose pulled up on us wasn't very happy with our presence for a bit and, uh, you know, eventually ignored us and uh, went on his way. On a scale of one to 10, how how close were you to thinking I might die by a moose? Uh, probably an eight, probably an eight. You know, they, they do this little thing where they, they perk their ears up and the face them towards you. And that that means they're, they're alert and, and, and not happy with you. So, uh, it was a young moose too. It wasn't like he wasn't huge, but he was still pretty big. Uh, but yeah, luckily enough, you know, uh, we stayed calm and just kind of gave it its space. And eventually we both went our separate ways. Wow. So I love asking questions of like where there would be, I know this is kind of an inverse of the uh, Orson Welles quote that I have, but like, let's just say that um, National Geographic called and said, Edgar, um, you can go on assignment anywhere that you want. Uh, and we will provide you with uh, the materials uh, and, and uh, equipment for this. Where, where are you going? Uh, so instinctively, I want to say the Amazon, like the Amazon sounds good on paper, but uh, I know logistically it's a nightmare, uh, you know, with unpredictable rain patterns uh, or even unpredictable uh, river patterns. You know, the, the river can, can flood or shrink and expand, you know, at any given moment. And then, you know, with waters comes mosquitoes. So. It would be nice, but, you know, like with all the logistics considered, I think I'd probably have to go uh, Galapagos um, just because there's so many opportunities to uh, photograph and capture different kinds of uh, wildlife. How how does one get to the Galapagos? You have to fly in. Is it Peru or how do you? How, what's yeah, the, what's the route to get yeah, there? it's off the coast of Peru. So you could fly down to the Peru and I I would assume fly over to the islands um my girlfriend's actually been before so i should probably ask her but uh yeah probably have to take a double flight there you had mentioned you know your that you had studied film at depaul and i was wondering you know is there any kind of cinematic kind of direct or is there any director from cinema that you kind of like say like I like how they scale their photography and and you bring that into yeah your own kind of influence of how you uh how you shoot um maybe not necessarily a a director influence I feel like I have so many you know favorites so to say um that you know I'd be kind of like asking me you know what's my favorite song but if there is someone that I kind of like aspire to be like or be in the same realm of is David Attenborough with the BBC Earth series, you know, being being that involved in both realms of what I'm currently doing, you know, like wildlife conservation, but also making, you know, cinematic masterpieces uh, at the same time, uh, you know, that, that would just be a great, you know, uh, 
example of, you know, someone I'd like to aspire to be like or, you know, achieve the things that they did. What's something that a young photographer, let's say, uh, and this is different than my last question that I asked uh, my, the, 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 the interview. What, what's, a, what's an immediate technical um, move that a young photographer can make that would make their photos better right out of the gates uh, as a young photographer? Uh, just practice, I'd say. Practice, practice, almost like with, with both shooting and editing, you know. There's a lot of times where I've shot something and you know, looked at the picture later and I was like, oh, well, that looks like garbage. And then, you know, I'm able to recover that picture later, actually, with with editing. So I'd say consistent practice, even, you know, when you don't feel like it. You know, sometimes if I'm in a rut, if I like if I, you know, just hit like a creative block or something. I'll just try to go out there and shoot, even if it's not the normal thing that I shoot. So I'd say stepping out of your comfort zone and then, you know, consistently uh, practicing your skills. This is kind of more of a a, a big picture uh, question here. But, you know, since you graduated in 2009 and really the... I, th- I think the e- expansion of digital photography because people have access to things like Instagram, Snapchat, and some of these other different kind of photo uh, apps and all that. Do you see that as something that is a benefit to the overall uh, craft of photography because we have more people taking pictures and thinking about photography uh, or does, has it been something that kind of maybe because it's done so quickly, maybe it doesn't have the scrutiny that a real photographer has. Is it more of an invitation uh, to do better photography uh, or do you see it as a net positive or maybe a, a net uh, negative in terms of uh, the expansion of all digital photography with apps? Uh, I'm glad you asked this because I, f- I feel very passionate about uh, about some uh, you know a subject re- in 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 this realm um, where I think it's kind of hurting the art and like I think a big example of this is uh, TikTok and Reels on Instagram. Um, it it I feel like it's almost like taking away uh, individuality or you know or uniqueness because you have a, for example you you see this like you can even see it within the realm of like nature photography on Instagram uh people start making these reels and they do it based on trends and a song that might be relevant that month and you know everyone has the exact same edit with the exact same song and, you know the only thing that is different is you know the pictures based on the photographer and I feel like that's just taking a create, you know, the creativity aspect away from things because you're just doing something that someone else is doing in the exact same way. And, you know, the whole point of creating is, you know, to, to, you know, express your own voice. Uh, and it kind of takes, you know, takes it away when you're expressing yourself in the same manner as everyone else. So I feel like in that aspect, it's really damaging to the art. Can you tell me more about uh, Altered Stag Productions? What do you do? I right now it's just more of a freelance thing. I, I push the the nature and wildlife stuff because that's the industry I want to end up in. But 
Uh, right now, I just do freelance for anyone that is either, you know, impressed by my videos or my photography. You know, I was working on the bars for 11, 12 years. And, uh, you know, uh, COVID came around and just kind of shook the world up a little bit. And, you know, after being blocked up for a few months inside, I decided, you know, I didn't want to go back to the bar. And, you know, if, if I was going to be exploited for work or, you know, be overworked or anything like that, it was going to be on my own accord. So I just kind of decided to go for it, uh, you know, and try to make money that way. So I have, you know, just scattered clients uh, that either want video work or photography work. Um, but yeah, that's just, you know, I'm, I'm still on like beginning stages and still building right now, but, uh, it took, you know, two years of building to start making money finally. And, you know, lots of zoom calls with, uh, people already in the industry or, you know, former professors and stuff like that. Um, so I'm just starting off, so we'll see where it goes from here. There's a, a particular vision that a photographer has and how how else can you maybe describe how you you develop that vision of what to look for in any given context like i know it's different from landscapes to maybe people and portraits and and the various different photography but what is it that uh is a type of thing that you kind of develop your eye to be able to anticipate the type of patterns that would then make for a good photo uh, I, you know, I feel like a lot of it has to do with like mood, uh, your, your mood is going to dictate, uh, what you capture and how you capture it. Um, so I'm trying to think of an example. I think it was during lockdown, uh, you know, early 2020, uh, it was having just like trouble, just like expressing myself and. I don't know. It was it was a weird time. So I, I was feeling pretty down and pretty blue. And I, I just went out and captured some city photography. And I feel like my mood really just captured the moment. And then I was able to then express it how I felt it. So being, in, I guess, in touch with yourself and what you want to express is going to be a big, big help. Because, you know, there's... They, Nothing like there's nothing worse than like not knowing how you feel or not, you know, not knowing what or how to express, you know, no, no art is going to come out of that. So I guess just being in tune with yourself and knowing, I don't know, knowing yourself and knowing what you want to express about yourself. Yeah, I mean, th that does seem like such a, an important step, really kind of in any field, right? That kind of capacity for reflection uh, and, and all of that. When did you feel comfortable in that kind of uh, space where you uh, knew that, like, this is how I feel and now this is how it may um, in, in, in some way inform my art or my vision of what I'm about to do? Um, I think after... Uh, after I went to Yellowstone, you know, that was a big like milestone for me. And after I, I, after the trip was done on my way back home, you know, I was excited that I got so much footage. I was excited that I had completed, uh, something, uh, and, you know, it was my first official, you know, wildlife expedition. Uh, and after I finished those segments, I kind of found 
my voice. You know, I had to be excited about it. You know, I was excited that I went. I was excited that I gave myself so much work to do. Um, and then just with in the editing process and uh, completing these segments, I feel like as I was editing them, as the process was happening, was when I kind of started feeling comfortable and catching my groove with all this. Edgar, you've been so generous with your time uh, today, and I always like asking the guest if you could leave current Wildcasts with tips for success. What would you say to them? Uh, this is a hard one, but uh, I I would just say uh, being consistent. You know, it's easy to get discouraged and you know down about something, or even having doubt and uh imposter syndrome about what you're doing you know keeping at it is gonna help and then you know even if it turns out that you let's say you know a young wildcat you know pursues photography that persistence in it will really let you know if you're if you want to do it or not you know you could do something for two three years and find out that maybe it's not for you or it could lead to something else uh, but I, I'd, I'd just say, uh, consistency and, you know, just kind of keeping at it. If I can kind of come back to one more thing that you just brought up there, which is super important. I think people need to, uh, maybe get at, which is how do you, um, stow away the imposter syndrome? I think that so many aspiring artists or anyone who wants to just try something often just never kind of dust themselves off again and say, well, I'll never be in your case. Like, like I can't be an Ansel Adams or I'll never be a Shakespeare if I'm writing or, and all of that. How, what is, are, is it, how, how are you able to kind of tuck that away uh, in, in a way to then say, I'm not listening to this anymore. I'm going to push through this. What, yeah. what, um, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, stop. Yeah. How do I word this? Don't compare yourself to others, uh, in a sense. Like if like you're consistently comparing, let's say your work to someone else or someone who you think is better, then you'll never be satisfied with your own art because you know you're you're always gonna compare it to something. And you know maybe that's like a problem that social media created uh, recently. You know. Uh, all we see is the good images on, you know, on these people's profiles. We don't see the thousands of other crappy images that weren't put up there. So it's easy for us to be like, oh, it's not as good or it's not as good as this person. Or, you know, it didn't get likes or yada, yada, whatever. Uh, so I'd say just focusing on yourself and focusing on your craft, uh, you're, you're going to improve just naturally. And, you know, feel like people, especially artists, really have to stop comparing their work to other people because, you know, at the end of the day, no one is going to be able to do what you do. You know, your own artistic voice is unique to yourself. So no one else is going to be able to copy that. And I feel like it's what people should really, you know, focus on. Yeah, you the way you were describing 
consistency and how you how you were able to uh, articulate that reminded me i was like I, I i know this i've heard something like this before there was a a famous kind of isabel allende quote where she says uh show up show up show up and after a while the muse shows up too i love that and i, I think there's something really true about um that consistency that uh you'll get better you'll you'll push through and and that will be the reason why the the critic and the the person who tells you that the imposter is uh is there you just you're able to shut them up and, and lock them away so ah so Definitely. great so uh edgar thank you so much this has been great and uh best of luck thank you thanks for listening help spread the word about we go places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat as always find past and future episodes on apple or google podcasts or any other platform just search Wego Vox. That's Wego V O X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at Wego Places Podcast or on Twitter at Wego Places.